This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, November 17th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telski delays opening day. Healthy Kids Colorado Survey provides insight into Telluride's young community. Med Center enters a period of transition and a mountain weather forecast. But first, the gondola will reopen on Friday, November 18th at 6.30 a.m. for the winter season. The gondola will operate from 6.30 to midnight every day. Then, starting December 16th, hours will expand to 2 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. The 2022-2023 ski season will officially open two days late. We made the tough decision today to delay our opening um, just by a few days, by, by two days. And that's to give our operations team enough time to get some equipment down from the top of Chair 9 and to allow us to do a little bit more snowmaking as well. That's Patrick Latcham, Vice President of Marketing and Sales for Telski. While an extra day or two of snowmaking doesn't hurt, Latcham says the primary reason for the opening delay is machinery at Chair 9. Once we start getting more and more snow here, it's only going to be more and more complicated to, to get some of these larger cranes and excavators off the mountain. And the route to get them off the mountain, I mean, it goes down part of Sea Forever, um, part of Village Bypass. And so we have these roads cut in areas that we can't spread the snow out right now because we have to keep these roads there so that we can get this equipment down the mountain safely and um, and back down to our, our maintenance facilities. Latcham notes, crews are working full steam ahead. Our, our team's working as hard as possible to get us open as soon as possible. The Telluride Ski Resort is now scheduled to open Saturday, November 26th. The resort promises there will be wall-to-wall snow coverage when lifts start running. What is it like to grow up in Telluride? How can adults support our young people? Obviously, there's not a silver bullet for getting that information, but the Healthy Kids Colorado survey aims to provide some insight. It's the state's only comprehensive survey on health and well-being of uh, the young people in Colorado. Um, So this is a comprehensive survey that's done across the state. Uh, Most high schools and middle schools across Colorado participate in it. Um, It is... um, uh, voluntary survey, um, but they try their best to, uh, to have every student uh, participate if possible. That's Matt Schroeder, a data analyst at Tri-County Health Network. The survey is administered every two years. In the most recent survey, approximately 40% of students statewide participated. In the Telluride School District, nearly 90% of high school students took the survey, with nearly 80% of middle school students participating. And it covers a multitude of different health-related topics for our youth, including bullying, safety, mental health, substance use, sexual health, violence, uh, nutrition, physical activity, COVID-19, uh, and this most recent one. Um, and then also risk and protective factors related to those um, various uh, health topics. While the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment administers the survey, Tri-County Health Network is working to distill some of the local data down for easier consumption. And the results may be a bit startling. In a number of categories, including bullying, marijuana, and tobacco use, students in Telluride reported higher rates than the state average. 
As such, this week, the Telluride School District, in collaboration with Tri-County, hosted a parent and community meeting to share some of the results and discuss resources available. The first category, bullying. In total, uh, at the high school, 25% of uh, high school students uh, reported having been uh, bullied in the last uh, 12 months on school property. Statewide, only 11% of students reported bullying on school property. Shorter notes, in Telluride, female students and LGBTQ students reported higher levels of bullying than their male and heterosexual counterparts. Schroeder says, according to the survey, there has been an increase in bullying taking place in the classroom and in stairwells and hallways. Electronic bullying is another thing that, uh, that they covered. Um, similarly to on-school property, um, electronic bullying was higher across the board, higher than state averages, um, 17% uh, at the high school. Uh, and again, uh, females in particular were more likely to be bullied electronically than males were. When it comes to mental health, Telluride students are below the state average. When it comes to feeling sad or hopeless almost every day for two weeks or more, 30% for Telluride compared to 40% statewide. Students are also below the average when it comes to attempting suicide, 6% locally compared to 7% statewide. But when it comes to purposefully harming themselves without wanting to die, Telluride students report higher levels than the statewide. 25% of high school students say they hurt themselves without wanting to die, compared to 20% on the state level. Next, alcohol use. Schroeder looks at binge drinking first. Uh, Which is five more drinks within a couple of hours, one more times in the past 30 days. Uh, Telluride high school students reported 38%, um, and the state average was 13%. That's roughly three times higher than the state average. And while the number may seem high, students believe that number to be even higher. The survey asked students if they believe 50% of their peers binge drank within the last 30 days. 47% of high school students had that perception uh, that at least 50% of their peers were binge drinking on a regular basis, which um, obviously is uh, an inflated perception over the reality based on, uh, you know, despite the Despite the higher than state average numbers, that's still still more than than the reality. For marijuana use, Telluride students are once again about three times more likely to use than the state average. 35% of Telluride high school students reported using marijuana in the past 30 days, compared to 13% statewide. At the same time, Schroeder says there is a protective factor at play. Protective factors are influences encouraging healthy behavior. It is notable uh, that between 2019 and 2021, there was a big drop in the number of students uh, who got marijuana from an adult. Uh, It dropped from 23% to 11%, which is significantly below the state average. Um, So that's a a big increase in that protective factor. With tobacco use, 15% of Telluride students say they smoked cigarettes in the past 30 days, compared to 3% statewide while 31% used electronic vape products in the past 30 days, compared to 16% statewide. One thing uh, was that 35% of those who vaped in the past 30 days had tried to quit in the past year. Schroeder says with other drugs, namely cocaine, huffing, meth, and ecstasy, use among students is going down. It was 8%, uh, and this is among high schoolers, from 8% down to 3% for cocaine, 11% down to 4% for huffing, uh, 6% down to 4% for ecstasy, and 4% down to 2% for MAC. Um, so in a downward direction for all of those other drug types. Um, and interestingly also, it's not due to a lack of access. Um, the percentage of students who think it would be easy to access these other types of 
drugs remain pretty constant since 2019, um, and the number who reported being offered drugs on school property um, actually increased um, to 18% from 10%. So it's not that they're not available, um, but, uh, but use has increased. As for why students use substances, they most often said it was to have a good time with friends, to get high or feel good, experimentation, coping with hard situations, or out of boredom. The final category is consent, and Telluride is still struggling, but getting better. Unwanted sexual contacts, uh, comments, um, and sharing of photos or videos occurred at rates above the state average in 2021, and this is uh, specific to high schoolers. Females were more likely to be unsure whether they'd given their consent before sexual experience, um, as well as uh, those who are LGBT uh, compared to their heterosexual peers. Uh, females uh, and LGBT students were also more likely to have um, had a sexual video or photo of themselves shared, um, and the percentage of students reported being raped or physically forced to have sexual intercourse uh, did fall uh, between 2019 and 2021. On a positive note, when looking at those protective factors, Telluride students are doing well. 81% of students say they have an adult to go to with a serious problem. 84% say they could ask a parent for help with a personal problem. 96% say they feel safe at school. And 78% are involved with extracurricular activities. All those are above the state average. Following Schroeder's presentation, over a dozen local organizations, government and law enforcement officials shared resources and ways they're supporting young people and families to ideally make some of those hard numbers a bit better. Telluride Marshal Deputy Jimmy Moody is the school resource officer for the district. He adds it's important not to get discouraged by the numbers. One thing I do want to point out, speaking with your kids, that data can seem a little scary. Um, with where all those numbers are. But I want you to also bear in mind, I think your kids are a lot more open um, in talking about what they are experiencing, what they are seeing, what they are hearing, and what they are doing than probably the state average. So while the state average may seem much different in a lot of those categories, I would say that maybe our numbers are a little more actually true to what's actually happening with our youth. Um, and so it doesn't mean like, oh, we're doing a great job, let's ignore it. It means, hey, we need to buckle down because we actually have real data and we can actually make a real impact on these kids' lives. There aren't any definitive answers, but it's a starting point. A glimpse into where young people in the community are at now and an opportunity to make change for the better. The Telluride Regional Medical Center is in a state of transition. At Telluride Town Council this week, the Med Center's new CEO, Chris Darnell, shared an update. With a full report on changes from the past year and changes still up ahead, KOTO's Gavin McGough has more. Chris Darnell began his update on the Telluride Medical Center by declaring 2022 to be a year of transition. Darnell cites the hiring of a new physician, the opening of the Chair 7 Clinic, and multiple honors bestowed upon the Med Center and its staff in the past year. Further evidence of the change brought by 2022 is Darnell himself. He began in August as the Med Center's new CEO. Darnell says that when he cites the accomplishments of the clinic, people often have a follow-up question. Folks often ask me, like, well, that's great. You know, what, what are your concerns? What are your challenges? And, and this is, right, it's, 
we're dealing with a big challenge that every that everyone is dealing with right now, which is housing. And I just right workforce housing is critical. You all you all know this. I came from Bozeman, Montana community. It's a number one issue there. Uh, Aspen, Jackson Hole, Summit, and obviously Telluride. I share that. You all know it, but I think it's important to, to keep on the radar, and it's something that we'll we'll work through. Darnell says the housing market makes it difficult to hire staff, which has left the clinic shorthanded. Med Center Board Chairman Chris Chafin chimes in. And I'd say we are probably we're probably eight to ten percent vacancy. And so housing's an acute need. It is uh, obviously. Despite the staffing shortage, the clinic has had a very busy year, says Darnell. So we've had over nine thousand primary care visits this year. Uh, we've had almost a thousand uh, behavioral health visits again through nine months. Our emergency department has seen more than 2,500 visits this year. We've had more than 3,000 x-rays. And of course, we've had almost 800 CT scans. And so I share that just to give you an idea. And I like to put it in context of the population, right? How 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 many people do we have in Telluride proper? The answer, of course, is just a bit over 2,000. Darnell's point? For a clinic in a community of that size, seeing almost 10,000 patients for a primary care visit indicates how vital its services are not only to Telluride, but also to visitors and to the surrounding region. On that note, Darnell says plans for a new facility in Lawson Hill will greatly expand the med center's capacity. Roughly, we're, we're at approximately 10,000 square feet now. So the vision is we go to approximately 40,000 square feet quadruple the size of our facility. We would add some additional services. And for me, the biggest the biggest advantage would be that we would have beds for overnight stay, right? This would be for the short overnight patient that we need to watch. And it could be for the post-acute or the person that comes out of the hospital that might need some additional, uh, additional time uh, in, the, in the hospital. So having beds would be a significant benefit to the community. Darnell recognizes that paying for the project will involve pulling on all the available resources. Uh, the estimated cost is anywhere between 50 and $75 million. And I think it's important to note that that funding could come from various sources. We've talked with the USDA, which, uh, USDA, which is a federal lending source for initiatives like this. Um, Obviously, there would need to be a, a philanthropic component to it. There would be grants and lots of other mechanisms to support a project like this. Currently, the Med Center is working with the county to gain access to the land for the new facility. That process is time-consuming, and the exact dates are unclear. Darnell says they are not sitting idle while the county deliberates. So we're trying to work in parallel. We're trying to, to do as much work as we can on the side, while this process is, is, is progressing. And then once that land is, is, is deeded to us, then, um, then there, prob- there, is, there is an element of continued planning, revisiting, refreshing, uh, ensuring that everything is, is, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Uh, and then there's probably a two, two and a half year build, I would guess. Still some four or five years out from completion, the project is big enough that is already consuming a great deal of the med center's focus. Thus, the period of transition ushered in by 2022 seems like it's here to stay. 
Fees will be going up next year for those getting power from the San Miguel Power Association. According to SMPA, for most residential consumers, the increase will amount to $2 per month on the access charge, or $24 annually above the current charge. There will also be an additional $2 increase for outdoor lighting tariffs. SMPA notes the association is anticipating increased costs in the future due to inflation and costs surrounding fire mitigation, vegetation management, and large capital projects. SMPA officials say the increases serve as a shock absorber financial strategy, incremental fee increases to support the cooperative while protecting budget-conscious consumers. The new rates will go into effect January 2023. The temperature outside may be freezing, but the lineup for Telluride Gay Ski Week is piping hot. Headlining the week is award-winning stand-up comedian and actor Margaret Cho. Comedian Daniel Webb and Telluride's own Gus Kenworthy will join for the week. Musical acts include Fleet Mac Wood, Matt Suave, Cinna G, and Castle. There will be a burlesque performance from the House of Shimmy Shake, drag from Atta Vox, Susie Wong, Patcha Hart, Bitter Betty, Aria Petty One, Electric Cute, and Chad. Aja Dancers and Sage Gray's Mile High Go-Go Company will bring the dance energy. There will be apres ski, fashion pop-ups, drag brunches and performances, dancing and partying. Telluride Gay Ski Week will take place on the slopes in Telluride and Mountain Village, February 25th through March 4th, 2023. Colorado is one of the best places to start a business. That's according to Forbes magazine. Forbes recently ranked each state based on five metrics, business cost, business climate, financial accessibility, economy, and the workforce. Based on those metrics, Colorado came in second. Forbes highlights the state's number of startups and entrepreneurial spirit, along with its ability to launch businesses in its restrictive industries like cannabis. Colorado only loses out to Indiana as the best state to start a business. New York sits at the bottom of the heap as the worst place to start a new business in the U.S. The Colorado River is drying up, and communities that rely on it are already feeling the pinch. Many large cities throughout the Southwest are well-positioned to weather the coming crisis, but for some small towns, like Page, Arizona, the threat of losing their water supply completely is no longer hypothetical. KUNC's Alex Hager reports. Tobin Pilot walks across a crunchy patch of red dirt and pulls out his keys. Guessing which key it is. Hey, first try. <laughs> Pilot is with the city of Page's water department, and he's opening the door to a tiny wood-paneled shed. We're on the edge of a cliff, standing on dusty desert rock that towers above the Colorado River. This is the town's water comes right through this shack. <laughs> crazy to think. This shed is tiny but important. Here, water comes up from the river hundreds of feet below and enters the pipes that feed the homes, hotels, and restaurants in this tourist town. What it does is there's a pipeline that is bored through the cliff of Glen Canyon, and then as it comes, it comes to the edge just past us here and goes straight up and then into another pipeline that goes up to our water plant. 
but that system is under threat. Page gets its water from Lake Powell, the nation's second largest reservoir. It's held back by the Glen Canyon Dam, a 700-foot-tall behemoth. And inside the dam, there's a pipe that sucks water up to the little shed and onto the city. But drought and steady demand have drained the reservoir to a near-record low, putting Page's drinking water system in jeopardy. They never anticipated the, the lake actually dropping down to a level where they weren't going to be able to generate or where Page was going to struggle to get water. Brian Hill is the city's utility manager. That just simply wasn't anticipated. That's why we're scrambling to make a, a design mod down there now. He's talking about reworking the pipes inside the dam. If the river drops below the current intake, it would flow through a backup, even lower down. In the dam, a team of welders is working on new pipes to link that backup to Page. But Hill says Page won't have peace of mind without more upgrades. If the system in the dam fills for any reason, water stops flowing from city taps. What they need, he says, is a second straw, a little further upstream, that would provide redundancy. But that won't come cheap. It's roughly a $46 million project, and as you can imagine, you're not going to get that kind of money out of, out of 3,500 water customers. That's just not going to happen. Hill gets that cost estimate from a 2004 study from the Bureau of Reclamation, the federal agency that manages the dam. It's so expensive to do it because of where we live. A town our size couldn't do it on our own. We would have to have help. And so we're seeking that help, but that hasn't come yet. Hill says the federal government should be on the hook for that help. The city of Page only exists because of the dam. It was set up in the late 50s as a place to house the workers that Reclamation hired to build it. Hill says that history means federal officials should bear some responsibility for making sure the city has adequate water supply. For its part, Reclamation says it's committed to working with the city of Page and offering assistance, but hasn't yet drawn up plans to distribute the $4 billion it received from the Inflation Reduction Act, which became law this summer. But the region's water supply problems don't stop at Page. Climate change means that the flows of the Colorado River will continue to diminish. Catherine Sorensen is the former director of the Phoenix Water Department. Now she researches water policy at Arizona State University. And so for those communities that are dependent on Colorado River, they need to be looking around at their infrastructure, their alternative supplies, and developing means to be able to continue safe, reliable deliveries at the tap. And around the region, it's not just climate change putting city water supplies at risk. Sorensen says infrastructure around the Southwest is getting old. So I think you're going to see pressures from both sides. And I think that that might be really humbling for some of our communities. And whether the money comes from federal coffers or increased water rates, Sorensen says small towns and big cities alike will need to react quickly to steal their systems against climate change. In Page, Arizona, I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for increasing clouds tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Friday should be cloudy, becoming sunny with a high near 30 degrees. Friday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 10. Saturday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high around freezing and a low around 15 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, November 17th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, 
Call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hola a todos los fans de Coto. Es el tiempo de inscribirse para un seguro médico y Tri-County Health Network está aquí para ayudarlos a inscribirse por el mercado de Connect for Health. Si aplica entre noviembre 1 y diciembre 15, su cobertura empezará el primero de enero. Si se espera hasta enero 15 para inscribirse, entonces su cobertura va a empezar el primero de febrero. También estamos emocionados de anunciar que este año tenemos la opción de seguro médico OmniSalud. Este es un nuevo programa que brinda la opción de un seguro médico accesible a la comunidad de inmigrantes en Colorado sin importar su estatus legal. Incluso, personas elegibles pueden tener acceso a un plan premium de $0 por mes con ayuda financiera. La información que comparte con Connect Colorado es confidencial y no puede ser compartida con ninguna agencia federal. Llame a TCH Network al 970-708-7096 para hacer una cita con una de nuestras agentes de cobertura de salud. Hey, Coto listeners, it's open enrollment time, and we at Tri-County Health Network are here to help you sign up for a health insurance plan through Connect for Health Colorado Marketplace. Apply between November 1st through December 15th for a January 1st effective date of coverage, or till January 15th for coverage to start in February. Remember, this is the only time of the year folks can sign up if they want commercial coverage for 2023, unless they have a life-changing event. And we're also excited to announce that new this year is the OmniSalude option. This is a brand new program that provides the opportunity for Colorado's immigrant community to purchase affordable health insurance, regardless of their immigration status, through Colorado Connect. Eligible individuals may even be able to access a $0 per month premium plan with available financial help. Rest assured that all information shared is held confidential and not shared with any federal agency. Call TCHN Network at 970-708-7096 to schedule an appointment with a health coverage guide. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.